I'm thankful for that truth that he will never fail. And that's good to know. Um, I've been known to fail a time or two. Okay, many, maybe more than that. Um, but, uh, you know, he never does. And I'm, I'm grateful for that truth. So every test that we face, we may pass, we may fail. But every test that he has ever faced and ever will face, he will pass. Because he can't fail. It's just not in his nature. Okay, the Bi- turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter number 1, and as you're turning there, um, just a reminder of where we're at. We're going through this series on Wednesday night, learning Bible doctrine, looking at the major Bible doctrines in the Word of God, and uh, right, trying to rightly divide them in the Scriptures to find out what the Scriptures have to say about these truths. And we've looked at uh, the importance of studying doctrine. We've looked at bibliology, the importance of the Word of God. We've looked at theology, the doctrine of God and His attributes and His names and, and His uh, sovereignty. And then uh, we've looked at Christology quite a bit. Uh, we spent some time talking about the doctrine of Christ and and who He is and what He has done in our life. And we even took one Wednesday night where we compared the Scriptures with the Savior and how much alike they are in so many different ways. They're both referred to as the Word of God, and and uh, they both are required to receive in order to be saved. And, and on and on it went. There was, I think, 19 different uh, aspects there that were similar. And, and uh, But now we're in the pneumatology, which is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and I, I would say that there is a lot of, um, th- this, is a, this is one of the doctrines that has a lot of misunderstanding and confusion in uh, Christianity, and I'm basically using that as a very loose term, um, maybe even refer it to as churchianity, um, because there is so many different uh, angles on this. Uh, but the Bible is very clear in, in, in the doctrine here, and, and uh, we're looking at that. Last time we looked at the personality of the Holy Spirit and the, uh, the fact that He is a person, and He's not just a force or an influence. He's an actual person, uh, the third um, member of the Trinity. And tonight we're going to zero in on two aspects of the Holy Spirit that uh, are important for us to understand. The sealing of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now one is one that He does, and one is one we are supposed to allow uh, to happen in our lives. Okay, So the sealing of the Holy Spirit is what we're going to talk about first. Ephesians chapter number 1. And uh, let's look at verses 12 through 14 to to start with. Ephesians 1 verse 12 says that we uh, believers here should be the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. And uh, with that, let's have a real quick word of prayer, and then we'll get into the message tonight. Lord, thank You for uh, Your Word that uh, gives us all we need to know uh, doctrinally. Uh, Lord, there is nothing else that we need other than Your Word, and I pray, Lord, that tonight Your Word would clear up some things in our own minds regarding the sealing of the Holy Spirit and also the filling of the Spirit. 
And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be grateful for the fact that we are sealed uh, by the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, I pray that we would all walk away from this place desiring to be filled with the Spirit of God in our lives. And we pray these things in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to look first at the sealing of the Holy Spirit here. Now, again, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is something that He does. This is not something we have a part in other than believing on Christ. And at that moment, um, He does the sealing. Now, what is the sealing of the Holy Spirit? And uh, if you're not looking at the word sealing, you might think, is there a sealing? The Holy Spirit has a sealing. No, no, we're not talking about that type of sealing, obviously. Uh, we're talking about the fact that uh, he, this is the act whereby the Holy Spirit affixes the divine stamp of approval, guaranteeing the immediate, the ultimate, and total salvation of the repenting believer. It basically means that once we're saved, he puts his stamp of approval and basically guarantees that we're going to spend eternity in heaven with God, that we belong to God. Second uh, Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 19. Here's a, another way that uh, this is said here in this passage, 2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And so the Lord knoweth them that are His. This is a, um, God, because God puts His stamp on us, His seal upon us. And as a result, He, we are ident we, he identifies us with that stamp. So uh, He knows us uh, because of the fact the Holy Spirit resides within. All right, a couple of thoughts here about the sealing of the Holy Spirit that I want to uh, throw out here for you. Number one, the timing of the sealing. When does this happen? And I've already kind of mentioned it, but let's look at the Word of God and see what it says about the timing of when this happens. Is this a, a process? Does this happen over time? Is it gradual or is it immediate? Well, again, let's look back at Ephesians 1, uh, verse number 13. It says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And so this verse is telling us the process in which this happens. Okay, so first you say, well, I thought it was... Instantaneous. It is instantaneous, but here's the process, and Paul walks down through it in verse number 13. First, they were hearing. They got to hear. Okay? So first, there's hearing. In whom also you trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Ye heard the gospel. Okay? And the next aspect is they believe the gospel. Okay, it says, In whom also ye trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed. Okay, so we hear the gospel, we believe the gospel, and then what happens after that? We are sealed. So hearing, believing, and sealing is the process, but it all happens instantaneously. The sealing happens the moment we believe. So for me, when I was 12 years old, when I got saved and placed my faith in Christ was the same day that I was sealed under the day of redemption. And so that at that point, 
it is secure and done. And that's when it happened in my life. So it is instantaneous, but there is the process that takes place for someone to get saved. They hear the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then they place their faith, they believe on Christ, and then they're sealed. So if you've been saved in, tonight, you can, and you can think back to your salvation day, that was the day that you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Okay, so that was the timing of the sealing. But let's look at the truth of the sealing. Uh, what, what does this sealing of the Holy Spirit really show in our lives? Well, first of all, it shows promise. In verse number 13, it says, You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And then verse 14 tells us, Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. So, uh, again, the moment that we receive Christ, we also, obviously, biblically, received the Holy Spirit in us. But in that point, he ends up being our earnest, our down payment. Okay, you say, where else in the Bible does it say that he is our earnest? A couple more places here. A couple references in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1.22 and 2 Corinthians 5.5. I'll read them to you. 2 Corinthians 1.22. Who hath also sealed us? And given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. And then 2 Corinthians 5 5 says, Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing as God, who hath also given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Now, most of us know what an earnest, earnest money is. And whenever we uh, wanted to buy a home here in Oklahoma, um, it was really a miracle that we could buy a home here. I really thought we were going to have to rent, but the Lord worked it out and allowed us to be able to purchase. And I'm so grateful for that. But in that process of buying a home, you go and look at homes. And I remember back in August of 2018, us coming for a weekend and thinking we could figure out where we were going to move in uh, just about three or four days. And that's a little bit of a crazy thought, but we did. <laughs> We showed up here, we looked at like seven homes over the course of two days, and we narrowed it down to one that we uh, decided to go forward with. And, and what, what, what we had to do is we had to put up some earnest money, uh, a down payment that guarantees that we're serious, we're not goofing around about this, that w we really do want this house. And uh, the, the, the way it works is you can lose that earnest money if you don't follow through. Well, here's the deal. Uh, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within, and He is the earnest. He's the down payment that guarantees our eventual uh, glorification and the, our, event our eventual uh, residing in heaven. He is the down payment. I mean, it's a guarantee. So it shows promise, this sealing of the Holy Spirit. It shows that uh, it's going to happen. It also shows uh, not only promise, but it also shows security. So back in the Old Testament, uh, when a king signed a law into, uh, a, made it a decree, right? He used uh, a seal to stamp it into um, surety. 
a couple instances that um, in the Old Testament, we have one in Daniel, one in Esther, Daniel 6.17, a stone was brought, laid upon the mouth of the den. This is when Daniel was put in the uh, lion's den. It says, and, and, and seal it with the king's ring. So he had a special uh, image on the ring that when you put it on there, it, it, it made it like, okay, well, hey, the king says. You know, uh, it's kind of like when you're, when we were kids, it was like, oh yeah, well, says who? Well, dad says, and it's like, okay, well, I guess we better do it. Okay, so that, that king's ring and that seal there uh, meant that it was a done deal. There was like, a, a, it, the buck stopped there, okay? So the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. So there was no going back on it. Um, and then Esther 8, 8, here's the, another re reference to that. Write ye also for the Jews as it liketh you in the king's name and seal it with the king's ring for the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed it with the king's ring that may no man reverse. So again, that ring that acted as that seal um, just made it a done deal. It made it secure. Okay, now when it, when it comes to us and the sealing of our, uh, the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians 1, 19 tells us this. In fact, let's turn over to 2 Corinthians. You can hold your place here in Ephesians. I go back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. So this is a little bit of a longer passage. I'd like you to see it because it is, it, it is amazing. 2 Corinthians 1, 19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. Verse 20, for all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So uh, there's, when God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Okay, you can trust Him. Um, he, he never fails. We already just sung about that. His word is true. And when it comes to um, the sealing of the Holy Spirit and giving us the earnest of our heart, in our hearts, it, it's a done deal. So the seal of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life is a token of God's unchangeable purpose. It is God's commitment to save him eternally. It is a seal of the King of Kings. It is security. Okay, let's go back to Ephesians. And then I want to show you Ephesians 4 right now. Ephesians 4. And then verse number 30. Here we're instructed to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. But then it says, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, we sung about that day of redemption a little bit ago at the beginning of the service when uh, we, we talked about the fact that we're redeemed. Okay, the day of redemption that Paul's talking about here in verse number 30 is not the day we got saved. It's really the day that one day we're going to be glorified and spend eternity with God in heaven. That's the day of redemption that he's referring to. Um, here it says, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. So it's going to happen. 
There's not going to be this, well, um, I no longer believe, and no, it's sealed. It has God's seal upon it. So it's a permanent deal. Hey, look, once we're saved, we're always saved. And this is really a reference to the eternal security of the believer. And we are secure in Him because the Holy Spirit has sealed us. He does the saving and He does the sealing as well. Okay, the sealing of the Holy Spirit also shows ownership. Um, For this, let's go to Romans chapter number 8. We'll flip over to Romans chapter number 8. The sealing of the Holy Spirit shows that He owns us, that we now no longer belong to ourselves, but we belong to Him. And it's a blessing to belong to Him. Romans 8 and verse number 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Okay, so here the spirit of adoption in verse number 15, is that a capital S or a lowercase s? It's a capital S, which is a reference to the Holy Spirit. So we receive the spirit of adoption and His Spirit, verse 16, capital S again, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we belong to Him, that we're His child, and He is our Father, and uh, we are in His family, and that uh, He owns us. Um, And uh, it it shows that we're part of His family, and and, and it shows a sense of belonging as well as ownership there too. All right, so the sealing of the Holy Spirit, it shows ownership, it shows security and promise, but then fourthly, let's see that it shows likeness. It shows likeness, and for this, it's Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, um, chapter three. So again, as I reference those rings that had that image on the rings, and so whenever that was stamped into uh, a little bit of a wax seal that they would use, they would know that okay, well, that's the king, and that's the king's ring. There's only one of those. Well, there's only one God, and He has put that seal in our soul in the person of the Holy Spirit. And in 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, in verse number 18, it says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. So, when in the glass is like a mirror. Uh, We're uh, looking at the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image. So we are to be changed into the image of Christ from glory to glory. And who does that? The Spirit of the Lord. So God's Spirit here, one of His responsibilities as the um, in the sealing of the Holy Spirit is to cause us to be like the image of Christ. Because again, the seal imparts its own image. And the Spirit of God impresses that image of Christ upon the believer. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Okay? Galatians chapter number 5, you don't have to turn there right this second, but Galatians chapter 5, 
Verse 22 and 23 goes through the fruits of the Spirit. And as you go walk through those fruits of the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, meekness, gentleness, temperance, all nine of them, and you go through all of them, they all describe the life of our Savior Jesus Christ when He was here on this earth. And obviously now as well. But so the purpose of the, Holy, the sealing of the Holy Spirit is to cause us to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And Romans 8.29 tells us that we are to be conformed in the image of Christ as opposed to being conformed to this world. Now, it's been a, it's been a minute since we've had uh, any ultrasounds looking at... Um, in fact, actually, no, it hasn't been a minute. It, it, just a couple, three weeks ago, um, my wife went to the doctor. She was having some pain, and they actually did an ultrasound, and I was in the room when they did this, and I go, this is like flashbacks to when we had children, and they were doing all the... Um, different ultrasounds, and with Mark, I think we had um, high-risk pregnancy, and so they, our insurance upgraded us to the like really high-end ultrasounds, where it was like a 3D ultrasound, and it it looked like an alien, to be honest, in, inside that inside my my wife. And then Mark came out, and it was an alien, so, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, don't tell him I said that, but uh, anyway, um, I remember with really each one of the, uh, the ultrasounds, we would get pictures. The, uh, the nurse would print out pictures and send them with us, and we would take them to church, and we'd show them to the ladies in the church, and to me, it just looks like, you know, this gray static but those women uh, somehow have, you know, they're all moms, you know, and so they, they, they can distinguish all these things. And they said, oh, yep, looks like a Johnson baby. I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> is that a compliment? <laughs> or is it not a compliment? <laughs> but they would say, oh, looks exactly like a Johnson baby. Yep, that's, that's your kid. Uh-huh. And so anyway, okay, here's, here's the thing. A as time goes on, the more and more people ought to be going, ah, that's one of God's kids. I can just see it. Yep. Yeah. Maybe not physically, but the way we live our lives, that it's just obvious because the sealing of the Holy Spirit, he's supposed to put the imprint of Christ upon us. Hopefully that's being revealed in the way we live. And hopefully that's the case. So the sealing of the Holy Spirit, I'm so thankful for this particular doctrine, and it is something that He does give us at the moment of salvation. And did you feel sealed at the time of your salvation? Probably not. But biblically, it happened. And it's something that uh, we can be very thankful for. And He does the sealing. But let's take a quick minute here and... Uh, look next at the filling of the Spirit. Now, this is not something that He does all the work on. This is something we have a responsibility in this aspect. And, and you can argue, well, I, don't, we, have an, we have a responsibility in the sealing of the Spirit to believe. And absolutely. 
But when it comes to the Holy Spirit or the filling of the Holy Spirit in our Christian lives, uh, there's more responsibility on us than there is on the Holy Spirit, although it is a cooperation because He does desire and He does initiate the filling, but we need to allow Him to have that place in our life. Um, if you go to Ephesians, cha uh, Ephesians chapter number 5 for this. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number uh, 18. Ephesians 5.18, Paul says this, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. But then he says in verse 18, But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And on Sunday night, this past Sunday night, I preached from Colossians 3.16, what tells us to let the Word of Christ dwell in us. And then it goes into teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, so we talked about how the fact that in Colossians, we're encouraged to get the scriptures in us. And here in Ephesians, Paul says we need to let the spirit fill us. So to have the scriptures fill us and the spirit fill us, both are necessary. Uh, both are important and both really kind of go hand in hand, don't they? So the filling of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, uh, let me cover a couple quick thoughts here. Uh, first of all, the priority of the sealing. Okay? Um, we are, of course, commanded to be filled with the Spirit here in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18. And, and what does that mean? What, 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 what are some things we, we can do here? What are, what are some things we're commanded? Well, we're to, first of all, be under the control of the Spirit. Okay, and in, in Ephesians 5 and verse number 18 here, he compares it really with being drunk with alcohol. And uh, there is, um, if you are driving and you have been drinking and you get pulled over, you get a DUI, driving under the influence, and in this case, of alcohol. Now, Hopefully, we are all guilty of LUI, living under the influence, but in this case, not of alcohol, but of the Spirit of God. And we are in encouraged to uh, be under His control. The, the thing, when, when, you're, when you have too much to drink, you stop, it's, it's, it stops being you. you. You stop being normal, and you're doing things and saying things and, and that, that you would not normally do because you're under the influence of another substance. But here we're called to be filled with the Spirit and under the control of His influence in our lives. So instead of you doing all the things you would want to normally do in your own flesh and in your own old nature... We're to now be controlled by His Spirit, doing things that would please Him, doing things that would be in line with the Word of God. So we're to be under the control of the Spirit. We're also to next walk in the Spirit. And in Galatians chapter number 5, just a couple pages back, in verse number 16, uh, Paul encourages the churches there in Galatia in verse number 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So we're encouraged to walk in the Spirit. And Romans 8.1 is another reference there. Um, 
Let me go ahead and turn back over there. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but who walk after the Spirit. So we're to walk in the Spirit, walk after the Spirit, um, and uh, basically walking hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit wants me to walk over here, I'm willing to do that. If the Holy Spirit wants me to go down here, I'm willing to do that. And, and wherever He's leading me, whatever He's encouraging and prompting me to do, I ought to be walking in the Spirit and walking after the Spirit. And so I want to encourage all of us to keep that in mind. Okay, so being filled with the Spirit means to be under control of the Spirit. It means to be walking in the Spirit. It means to mind, thirdly, mind the things of the Spirit. And Romans 8 and verse 5 says to... Re- uh, okay, I'm in Galatians again. Uh, go back to Romans. Romans 8, 5 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. All they can think about are the things that the flesh wants to think about. Verse 5 says, But they that are after the Spirit should mind the things of the Spirit. So again, the things that the Holy Spirit would desire in our lives, those are the things that we need to be thinking about and be mindful of and to obey. And then Romans 8.14 tells us, fourthly, to be led by the Spirit. So just really kind of different ways to say being filled with the Spirit here. Romans 8.14 tells us, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So, if the Holy Spirit's leading me to do something, I'm willing to do that. I'm being led by the Spirit. If He's leading me to um, witness to a co-worker, to witness to a neighbor, to um, be involved in a, in a ministry at church, uh, to give, um, we're, we're going to follow the, the Lord's leading here, the Holy Spirit's leading. All right? Now, being filled, um, going, going back to the original passage here in Ephesians 5 and verse number 18, where he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, be filled amounts to letting the Holy Spirit, who indwells us, to control us completely. We do this by trusting and obeying the Lord as His Word begins to direct us. Being filled is present imperative, okay? For you uh, grammar Nazis, um, you might appreciate this part. But uh, be filled is present imperative, indicating continual action, commanded action, and the middle voice indicates that the believer is acting concerning himself. He's not initiating the action, but he is participating in the action that is initiated by the Holy Spirit. And to be Spirit-filled isn't passive, though. It's active. It's to cooperate with the Spirit. So again, the Spirit desires to fill us and lead us and to guide us. And uh, He um, wants to walk with us, but we have to be willing to then follow Him and to be led by Him and to mind the things of the Spirit, and to be under His control, and submit to His uh, leadership in our life, to obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. Um, 
It is to cooperate with the Spirit. It is to obey the Spirit. It means to die to self-will and self-desire to live for Christ. It means to start each day by surrendering myself to the Lord and then to choose to do God's will rather than my will in each situation. Yeah. So that's the priority of, um, of being filled. But then let's look at the proof of the filling of the Spirit. What kind of evidence will be there in our lives if we are filled with the Spirit? Well, let's look at biblically some of the uh, evidences. Uh, go to Acts chapter number 2 here, and uh, we'll just wait and work our way through the, uh, these different verses. And uh, after that, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be done. But Acts chapter number 2 here, let's see what happens when... Uh, People in the New Testament were filled with the Holy Spirit. What ended up happening? Well, in the book of Acts, uh, mentions the first instance here that uh, I want to point out. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 4. It says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And then what ended up happening because of that? And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, when the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. And uh, there's a bunch of different uh, places here in verses 9 and 10. And then uh, in 11, verse number 12, they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Okay, well, here's, here's the point of all that. Um, they were, these New Testament believers, on the day of Pentecost, were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak in supernatural foreign languages. Okay, now it wasn't a prayer language that... Uh, some in the charismatic movement uh, believe that they were speaking. It was a, a known tongue that they did not currently know themselves. Okay, it would be like me all of a sudden starting to speak Chinese. I mean, I don't really know. I, I think I know Ni Hao and Fortune Cookie. That's orange chicken, chicken teriyaki, and fried rice. So, had that for lunch today. Panda Express. Okay, that's about all the Chinese I know. Ni hao, I know Tokyo and, you know, that's not even, that's not even, that's Japanese, isn't it? Okay, Shanghai, there we go, that's, that's better. Okay, see what I mean? I don't have the gift of tongues, <laughs> obviously. Okay, but um, one thing I do want to point out about this is that this is the only time that the filling of the Spirit was associated with speaking in tongues. Okay, in the charismatic movement, this is the big one. Have you ever been filled with the Spirit? And have you ever spoken in tongues? They always connect the two, but this is the only time in the New Testament where they were connected, being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. And even then, it was speaking in a known language that they themselves didn't know, but others would be able to understand. 
Okay? And so it's never mentioned again in the New Testament as being connected, being filled with the Spirit, and speaking in known tongues. This is the only instance. So just, um, just to kind of go to show that this is not the, the go-to you know, evidence of being Spirit-filled, that, oh, I speak in tongues. Um, it, it happened once in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, really so that the message could get out there, but that's, that, that, that was the only time it ever happened. Okay, what other evidences or proofs uh, of the filling of the Spirit? Well, let's go to Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 8. Uh, we see here there was a bold witness for Christ in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined um, of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is a stone which was set at not of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, name, any other for there is none of the name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So Peter gives this tremendous little uh, sermon here, and it's not real long. But notice in verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were unlearned men, he was extremely bold in sharing this truth here. And what was it that caused him to have that boldness? Verse 8, Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. So you and I, when we're filled with the Holy Ghost, we're going to be bold in our witness for Christ. I think we can uh, make that, um, that statement here. In verse number 31 of Acts chapter 4, we see this mentioned again. And when they had prayed... Verse 31 says, When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. So when you and I are spirit-filled, hey, we're going to be bold when it comes to witnessing to our neighbors and our friends and our family and our co-workers and those we cross paths with. Cross paths with. So a bold witness for Christ. What else? Um, Acts chapter number 6, if you turn over there and look in verse number 3, and uh, we'll basically say godly Christian testimony. Uh, one of the proofs of the filling of the Spirit is that there is a godly Christian testimony. Acts chapter 6 and verse number 3 says, this is when there was the church had grown so much because of the day of Pentecost, and there was a lot of needs going on, and the apostles were a little overwhelmed at what was happening. They said, we've got to delegate some of this stuff so that we can focus on the Word, we can focus on prayer, we can focus on doing what we can only do here, and uh, we need to get some men to help with this. So verse 3, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And then verse 5 the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and uh, these other guys as well. So they, uh, they were looking for men who were filled with the Holy Ghost because it meant they had a godly Christian testimony. Okay, what else does, what are the proofs of the filling of the Spirit? What are their evidences? And, and I'm not giving you all of them. We could spend, uh, there's, there's many more, but, but uh, we'll sum, sum them up in these. 
Uh, number four here, they are abounding in hope. Those who are filled with the Spirit, they are abounding in hope. Romans 15. Romans 15 and verse number 13. It says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So, an evidence of being filled with the Spirit is that no matter what's going on in your life, you're always, you always have hope that God's going to work things out, and you're not going to fret and get discouraged about little things. An evidence that we're not filled with the Spirit is the opposite, isn't it? When we come, become so overwhelmed with what's going on around us and we become defeated and so depressed and discouraged, that's, that's an evidence that we're not really allowing the Spirit of God to lead and guide us or we're not allowing, uh, following Him and walking in the Spirit. See, um, but when, when we are filled with the Spirit, then we're going to abound in hope. It's going to be so much in us. And I've been around people who no doubt were filled with the Spirit going through tremendous difficulties and trials. And it's like, wow, how are you doing so good when things are going so bad? And I, the answer is they're filled with the Spirit and, and they're abounding in hope. So uh, one of the evidences is they're abounding in hope. Galatians 5.5 5 talks about this as well. Uh, let's see. Galatians, it's after Genesis, right? Okay, good. I'm getting there. Galatians 5.5, 5, For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. So the Spirit and hope are connected here. And when we're filled with the Spirit, then we have this hope in us. And it's not some psychological thing. It's just something that supernaturally we're able to handle trials and difficulties with grace and with God's peace and hope that he's going to work this all out even if even if I don't make it God's going to still work it out somehow he's going to still work out his sovereign plan and I'm okay with whatever it is I think Paul was filled with the spirit um, most times I, I think he uh, reference some instances in Romans 7 where the things that he knew he should do, he wasn't doing. The things that he didn't want to do, those were the things that he was doing. Um, I don't think it was a 100% continual scenario for him, but um, in Philippians, uh, when he was facing, when he was under house arrest and he wasn't sure what was going to end up happening, if he wasn't sure if he was going to make it out of this thing, or if one day someone's going to come and say, okay, let's ex execute him. He wasn't sure what was going to end up happening, but he said, hey, look, for to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So he had this hope in him, this peace about whatever was going on, didn't matter. He was going to just have hope. And that was the result of being filled with the Spirit. Okay, uh, three more, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up uh, for tonight. Uh, number five here is spiritual living, and turn to Galatians chapter five here. 
spiritual living. When we're filled with the Spirit, guess what? We're going to have the fruit of the Spirit. I don't want to take too much time because I am going to spend a a message going through the fruit of the Spirit um, as we continue on here with the Holy Spirit. I do want to spend a, a, a message going through each of these nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. But when we are filled with the Spirit, it's going to be evident in the way we live. The fruit of the Spirit is going to come out of our life. We're going to when when that when we're squeezed, what's going to come out? The fruit of the spirit. Like when you squeeze an orange, what comes out? Orange juice because it's it's inside and 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 it's so full of that juice. You've ever taken a? I like lemon in my um, in my water when I go to a restaurant, and sometimes they'll bring. They'll bring the lemon slices uh, to the table, and the, and the lemon's kind of dried up, and you squeeze it, and like nothing happens. It's just like a bunch of little pulp. It's like, thanks for the lemon. <laughs> it's, it's not really doing anything. There's no lemon juice going into my water. Uh, that's A lot of Christians are like that, or some Christians, I should say, are like that, where they they have the appearance and and they're saved but they they're not filled with the spirit and so when you, when you squeeze them the fruit doesn't come out the juice doesn't come out okay what does the fruit look like here in verse 22 here the fruit of the spirit is love it's joy peace long suffering that's patience here um, gentleness goodness faith meekness and temperance, self-control. And so when we're filled with the Spirit, these are going to be the evidences of the fact that we are filled with the Spirit. Okay, spiritual living. Uh, what else? And we'll turn to Ephesians chapter, Ephesians for, the, for these next two here. Ephesians uh, chapter 1 for number 6 is spiritual wisdom. God gives us spiritual wisdom when we're filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 1, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Uh, The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. So, spiritual wisdom. And then one more, Ephesians uh, 6, 3.16. Uh, Ephesians 3.16, and that is spiritual strength in the inner man. Verse 16 says of chapter 3, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Um, Where the inner man is really the most important part of us. Um, I know we... Some, a lot of people focus on the outward, and, and, and to a point, I mean, God does talk about the outward for sure, but it all comes from the inner man, and, and we need that strength in the inner man to do what's right, to do what's pleasing to the Lord. One of the fruits of that, or the proofs of the filling of the Spirit, is that we are strong on the inner man. And uh, Ephesians 3.16 talks about that. All right. I think we made it through. Did you all think I wasn't going to make it through tonight? I know some of you naysayers out there. You didn't think I was going to make it through that outline tonight, but I made it. I had one more a long story to read, but I'm going to forgo that. Um, it's called My Heart, Christ's Home, which really kind of 
is an allegory that helps us understand the filling of the Spirit and uh, making that um, a reality in our life. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll do that at a different time. But uh, let's have prayer, and uh, we'll take some prayer requests and, uh, and spend some time in prayer together uh, before we go home. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, your word that uh, covers some important aspects about the Holy Spirit. Um, we're so grateful for the fact that we are sealed unto the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, that nothing can change that. It's, it's, it's done. It's a done deal. There's no reversing it. And I'm, I'm grateful for that truth. Um, and then, Lord, thank you for the ability and the opportunity to be filled with the Spirit. Lord, that's a lot better than me filling with, filled with self. Um, because, Lord, I know in my, in my own life, if I'm filled with self, it's, it's not pretty. But Lord, when I'm filled with the Spirit, then I produce that you're able then to produce the fruit of the Spirit, which is much more beautiful than what I could ever produce on my own. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us all to mind the things of the Spirit, to be under the control and the influence of the Spirit, to uh, be walking in the Spirit and walking after the Spirit, minding the things of the Spirit. Help us, Lord, to do that uh, this week and as we go through our Christian lives so that we can have some of the proofs, some of the wonderful uh, benefits that we discussed tonight. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd bless now the prayer time. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.